0: Welcome back to In The Loop, a WordPress agency podcast by Blackbird Digital. I'm Corey Hugert, and in this episode, Phil Hoyt and I interview Brian Kords of Howard Development and Consulting, and editor at MasterWP. We talk about connecting with the wider WordPress community as an agency, how we've been experimenting with the Gutenberg for client sites and how it's affected our entire process, theme scaffolding and understrap, and why it still makes sense for us to build hybrid themes, even though we like Gutenberg. If you have questions about WordPress website development, contributing, or anything else web related that you'd like to hear us discuss, send an email to podcast at blackbird.digital. You can also find us on Twitter as in the loop underscore WP for now. Blackbird Digital is a web and app development agency that specializes in WordPress, creating on-screen experiences that connect, teach, communicate, and inspire. Visit blackbird.digital for more information. Enjoy the show So I was uh, browsing twitter.com in the soon to be before times um, <laughs> when I It's too soon' it's too soon to talk about that when I when I came upon a post from uh, the master WP account linking to an article titled, the Imaginary Block Versus Classic Battle in WordPress, published September 19th, 2022. We'll link to that in the description. I encourage all of our listeners to check it out. But one of the main ideas there is that there's a lot of confusion between the terminology of classic and block. Um, and to quote the article, that any criticism of Gutenberg is reduced to block editor hate or classic editor love um which of of course is not at all where our agency and likely most agencies uh operate in the year of our lord 2022 (laughs) (laughs) um anyway so i responded to that tweet uh that this is our agency's experience in a nutshell and the author of the article brian cords responded that we should talk more about this sometime and so we have the man himself here today welcome brian yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. And, of course, always, uh, we also have Phil. Hello. Hey. Hey, hey, hey. So, um, Brian, uh, before <laughs> before we get into all of that juicy stuff, um, why don't you just give us a brief, you know, uh, your background, how you got started with WordPress, you know, what you're doing now.
1: Sure, yeah. So, my original background was not in WordPress, I used to, I was a teacher and worked sort of in education and stuff. And then, you know, things sort of slowly evolved into freelancing websites on the side. Cause I t- was a nerd in high school and just kind of had some background of it. And then, um, it eventually turned into freelancing, building websites, mostly in like a nonprofit kind of space or, uh, you know, like religious groups or stuff like that. Just those kind of, uh, places where they'll let anybody do their website uh, that doesn't <laughs> have experience. Um, so there was, I was doing that for a while. And then I eventually found myself at, uh, Howard development consulting, which is basic standard WordPress development agency. Uh, you know, we build WordPress websites, uh, night and day. That's what we do. And so when I started there, it was literally just me and the owner, um, we were, both freelancing I was freelancing for him and then it just started growing into like we need a couple more freelancers we need a couple more and so now the whole agency is like a team of freelancers uh that are now trying to learn how to turn ourselves into you know a cooperative agency that like you know has some standards and practices and things like that so you know I I've, I've never worked at a real agency we've kind of gotten to create our own with our own imaginations along the way so I have maybe a little uh unique experience in that in that way. Interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess I should say that Blackbird is
0: uh my first and only WordPress agency. Um I think
2: this is like my sixth. So <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. I, I move on quite fast. So,
0: so. <laughs> so there we go. There we've got the spectrum there. Yeah, the um, whole spectrum here. <laughs> so uh so Master WP just um and and we'll get, of course, to our Development and Consulting in a bit as well. But, um, you know, obviously, that's that's what uh, drew me to talking to you in the first place was uh, a couple articles on Master WP. Just kind of it started popping up in my timeline more and more yeah. often recently.
2: Kind of like felt like a sleeper blog all of a sudden just kind of showed up and was like, "Where where is this thing been? And it seemed like it'd been around for a long time, but I've only just recently this year seemingly noticed it pop up. So. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. So Master WP was started by um Ben and Alex. I, I would say their last names, but I would ruin it. But you they're you would know them. they they've been around for a long time. Uh I think Alex writes those ellipsis like agency reports that are always really good. Um, kind of industry insider stuff. So they had it, they had Master WP as a newsletter for kind of a long time, and it was really like their personality just the two of them it was only a newsletter it wasn't a blog or okay. you know a media site so it was strictly a newsletter they shared a few links and they always kind of wrote a few paragraphs before each link just giving their kind of analysis or opinions um they put it up for sale and um our our leader Rob uh was interested in buying it and we kind of just thought about you know it it was just a beautiful brand i don't know you know it was like it felt personal. It felt like we loved the color palette, the like design of it. It just felt like um, it, it had a lot of potential. And so we, when we acquired it, we basically turned it into, let's make it a website. Let's make it a WordPress blog. Let's kind of put a little more resources into it and do a little more original content. And it weirdly felt like almost immediately it turned into like we were suddenly having conversations with people that we had just been listening to on podcasts or something like it kind of felt. So the feeling that you had that it kind of came out of nowhere, like happened to us too. Cause we really just <laughs> thought we were just continuing a newsletter and then it, you know, for a, a number of reasons felt like it, it got a little out of control and, and now we're <laughs> talking about things on podcasts.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, 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 don't know. So maybe, the, maybe this is showing a, a bit of survivorship, bias um so like insert that image of the airplane schematic with the bullet holes in it right here but um it it seems like of of the agencies i i know about right that are just out there that 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 are that have this like public facing persona whatever you want to call it um almost all of them are finding ways to like market to or otherwise have conversations with other agencies um so i suppose that the like right what you know kind of thing uh, applies perhaps but i wonder for maybe just for you personally if you can't necessarily speak about the business decisions behind it like is it is it about connections for you writing Master WP? It, you know is there something there about the business's bottom line and you know diversifying the business i i does writing
2: about WordPress bring in more WordPress clients? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like maybe that's the elephant that's the <laughs> that I'm dancing around. You know, I would have to
1: assume we, I know we've had one or two relations, like actual business relationships that came out of people that read Master WP. We've had a lot more from Understrap, which I think we could talk about mm-hmm. separately. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, my gut assumption is that people who read Master WP are not in our client base. You know, our clients don't care about WordPress at all. Sure. They don't really, We, if we didn't use WordPress, they, they honestly wouldn't notice the difference. Mm-hmm. So I think it's definitely like an insider baseball thing. And I think that like Rob, the owner and myself, we both come from kind of like a a writing background. And so we just enjoy writing. And so it it almost more is just like, we kind of want to do this thing for fun and we hope that it'll, you know, reward itself, but it's just kind of fun to just be in writing and, and, and it leads to just interesting conversations, even if it doesn't lead to maybe more clients, unfortunately. Yeah, we can, we yeah. can relate.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think we can relate. Um, yeah, it's certainly been, it's been interesting for us just to have these conversations with people that, you know, at least I I could speak for myself at least that I wouldn't normally be having other than maybe like a tweet here or there. But, um, uh, you know, it's so much easier to talk to people when you have a podcast and yeah. you can you know, <laughs> let them, you know, promote something, but like also, you know, get a feel for all these different kinds of people working in the WordPress space. And it isn't just, it isn't just agency work either. We've talked to plugin developers you know, getting their perspective on the whole WordPress thing. Yeah. Can I say that any of our clients listen to this podcast? I doubt it. (laughs) Probably, (laughs) But I hope you're listening. (laughs) Hi.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I do think it shows there is a level of, oh, we have this podcast. So, you know, it, it gives you that. But I also think like maybe the COVID era especially made freelancing and just web development feel lonelier than it already does. Yeah. You know, so I think there's that aspect
2: too. I was going to mention something very similar to that because, yeah, I, I used to run the local meetup here. I left it years before the whole COVID thing happened. But, you know, between that time and now and then, of course, COVID shutting down board camps and whatnot, it's, you know, it definitely feels isolating to be in this industry. So to have an outlet where you can still connect with people on a deeper level than just like a tweet feels nice. It's uh, I, I'm a shame that you have to have a podcast to be able to have those conversations. <laughs> but maybe uh, maybe those meetups will come back.
0: Yeah, for sure. So before we move on from uh, Master WP, though, uh, there, 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 there is, there's, there's some business opportunity there for you. So there's, um, uh, there's work. You're running workshops on Master WP. Can you tell us more about those?
1: Yeah. So you know, obviously, mass, It you know, it, it does require you know money to. We we pay anybody who contributes. We open. Mm-hmm. We have open con- contributions. We pay anybody who does contribute to us. All that requires money. In WordPress media, the most simple way is to just get a hosting company to you know sponsor you. That's kind of like the go-to method, and we do have like good sponsors and stuff. But I also think that's not maybe the only way. So we're trying different things, and and right now we've been doing workshops, which is essentially you pay like an annual fee and you get access to like a bunch of training materials. But we've gotten people like Ali Nimmons and Topher DeRoja and a few other people that are coming up soon to basically do like live webinars. So like you pay and you you get to come to a live webinar and like bug Allie Nimmons with questions <laughs> about WordPress. And, uh, you know, it's it's sort of a way to, tr- you know, try to get, keep it as independent as possible and not only just have to like, you know, ask WP Engine for money.
0: <laughs> Very cool. Allie is a uh, in-the-loop alumni. <laughs> we interviewed her earlier this year. Yep, nice. So check it out. Yeah. Um, I, I understand that, uh, well, I saw that, you also did a workshop yourself recently.
1: Yeah. So I did one recently um, on WordPress command line interface, which was fun only because I had never used it before like this year. So I had that like beginner fever about it of like wanting to, you know, uh, preach about it. Um, And then there's another course on there that's like a full understrap deep dive course um, that I go through basically like, using a, the understrap theme from beginning to end um that one's a little uh probably long in the tooth and you know we might come back to that one too
0: fair enough so yeah speaking of understrap let's let's talk let's get into the let's get
1: into the meat of this
0: right let's get into the you know agency heart to heart part of this <laughs> part of this podcast so yeah so we in, you know we initially uh, decided to chat over this idea of, you know, well, I mean, obviously Gutenberg, right? So like the, the entire, well, the entire run essentially of this podcast has has been, you know, we've had segments, sometimes entire episodes about, <laughs> um, about Gutenberg and its effect, the effect that it's had on our work as a custom you know, WordPress theme and sometimes plug in, you know, agency where, where clients come to us. And, you know, like you said, most of them aren't necessarily specifically asking for WordPress. Although I will say, I feel like more of them recently are specifically asking for WordPress, um, but not any specific features, just like we're looking for a WordPress site. And I guess that makes sense because we're, you know, we're all in on WordPress here, obviously. Um but anyways, so you know, we have been struggling for the past essentially 4 years, right? Since since Gutenberg was was launched to figure out um first of all is you know, in in the Gutenberg age, like is there a right way, quote unquote, to develop custom themes for clients with Gutenberg or you know, is that up to us to figure out? and i'm pretty sure i'm leaning towards the ladder, <laughs> right um so yeah i i yeah i'm curious uh, your experience um in the agency world with this as well what what happened you know when when gutenberg first launched how did your agency react to it and and you know what's how have you been continuing like up until today like what is the relationship that you have with gutenberg
1: yeah and i've been following your podcast episodes and like, you know, especially the recent ones where you did the, it was kind of like the list of the issues. And then you had, <laughs> was it Ryan Welcher, I think, came on. Yes. and he yeah. you know, did like a
0: follow-up with, with Ryan where, you know, he made a ton of great points, of course, that that first episode that you're talking about was one where we basically just kind of went through like all the decisions that we have to make that are compounded by the fact that, we're building not just a WordPress site, but also a Gutenberg-enabled site. And, that, and that, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just a fact. And then, the, yeah, that follow-up with Ryan was, you know, he's all in on Gutenberg. That's the title of the episode, right? And, you know, g- getting some ideas from, from his perspective on how we could potentially handle those in a, like, a Gutenberg-first kind of
1: way. Yeah. Our experience, well, the first few years, we just didn't use it outside of I think blog posts I think you build a website and if the client is going to use the blog then I you know leave it on for the blog post basically where they're just they want you know a nice writing experience it is I you know hands down I think Gutenberg is the best blog writing experience um to me I I prefer it
2: yeah right but it makes a great editor for sure
1: yeah I find myself in Google Docs trying to do things now that you can do in the block editor. (laughs) So, but then, you know, I think the first few years it was kind of like, well, I don't think there was a question that it was super production ready for big websites. And so I think it was easy to just kind of ignore it for a while and continue with what we did, which is understrap theme, which is like bootstrap. HTML and CSS, uh, you know, ACF fields on the back end and and custom HTML on the front end. I think that's like a pretty standard approach. I, You know, we kind of sat with that for a long time. It was this year when I went to WordCamp US and I like sat and watched the Matt Mullenweg speech. And there was a lot of like people asking him like, you know, can you just keep the classic editor on classic editor on? And, yeah. <laughs> and I, and then I thought, well, we don't actually use the classic editor at all. <laughs> sure. That's the weird thing. Like
0: don't use and, the classic editor, but, but people are saying that you
1: build classic themes. So what's, what's going on? <laughs> exactly. And then, but then Matt's response was like something like, you know, Oh, just take your client and spend an hour with them and teach them how to use the new stuff. And there you yeah. go. And then I thought, what, like what world is that? I don't yeah, like that's that's not at all I think what the conversation is about. It's not like a training of a client issue because I think clients actually I, you know I see the potential for the block editor for clients, you know, but it's the it's the theme building it's the the design element, so I'm just now in the place of like I feel like it's it's I feel like it's page building capabilities are maybe ready, but I'm not a hundred percent sure and and then that's why that's why i'm talking to you cuz i feel like you're you're like 10 <laughs> steps ahead and you you kind of you're doing the experimenting that somebody needs to be doing <laughs> and bringing back we the knowledge. we
2: definitely experiment quite a bit here it's been a very interesting couple of years especially these last 2 years trying to build wordpress sites with the gutenberg editor and we don't call them classic themes like they we very much yeah. call them hybrid themes because um you know our most of our footers are block enabled. They're using the widget area. That is just a big block area that people can slam. Like usually the header and footer are, are the most boring aspect of the site. That's mostly PHP. And then the entire middle part is like Gutenberg or right. the block editor. Um, <laughs> but I would have to say in the last year, it's actually kind of even evolved for me where I'm actually kind of going backwards a little bit. i you know, we've had some very interesting conversations on the podcast. Um, and even Ryan, where he kind of encouraged, like, hey, you don't need to use it for everything. You know, the PHP templates still kind of exist there for a reason. Um, and, you know, they're not going anywhere immediately. <laughs> uh, definitely scares me some days that I'm like, going to lose <laughs> certain functionality. But, um, you know, I, I've i going back to the episode where we kind of talked about all the decision making that we've had. I've kind of reincorporated a lot of the older PHP style back into my decision making. Um when doing certain types of client work, you know, I'm building a theater website currently right now and it just didn't make sense to use the block editor for individual films because they all need to look the same, you know, the, it it just you know, that's a very data input thing and the block editor currently doesn't handle that like while we're starting to get new features like locking down blocks and content only patterns, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, It's just not in the place right now where I feel like I could give it to a client and feel confident that they would be able to have the experience that I've been able to craft for other clients in the Mm -hmm. past. So, Yeah, I
0: think that one of the biggest sticking points has been, was, you know, in the episode we talked about and was even in, you know, my conversation with Ryan was this idea of data entry. And the Gutenberg is kind of the, the Gutenberg editor and I will, yes, I'm going to keep saying Gutenberg editor and I, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I mean, I say, I say Gutenberg editor cause I am talking about like all of its various incarnations, right? First sure. editing, uh, widget editing, but also full site editing. Right. So the editor in general is, is kind is, feels very anti data entry approach. And it's not that you can't design Uh, native vanilla javascript blocks that give that present you an interface where you can insert the data and then save it and on the front end it looks completely different like you can do that um but but the you know what we're getting from the wordpress project you know handed down is in in the they're not they're not necessarily saying it directly but you read between the lines they're saying like don't don't build sites that way um, and we just haven't been able to step away from that approach as an agency building sites for clients because kind of getting back to what you mentioned about, um, you know, that your clients aren't necessarily coming to you for WordPress sites or coming to you for a website. Um, even though WordPress runs a, a large portion of the web um, and you know, marketing people are, are very familiar with WordPress as as you know, a site um editing experience. Um our clients aren't looking to build pages themselves. They're not looking to, you know, create their own designs, right? That's not that's why they're not using a page builder. They're they're coming to us to completely design from scratch, like do all the information architecture, do the um the it's user experience work for the front end um doing the full design process going f- all the way through from wireframes to finalized design and then building that at, you know as the site and launching it and then they become the stewards of that um and m- most of the time I'm not going to say all the time but most of the time they're looking to uh pare down that the the interactions that they have with the the website is as much as possible so if they have some sort of uh some sort of ongoing thing that they have to post constantly whether it might be like with the theater you know films right like they need that experience to be as fast and easy as possible with as little human error as possible and the gutenberg editor you know wants to give you lots of freedom and that's kind of the antithesis of you know the lockdown just type in the name and and connect it to some stuff and and put an image and be done with it right so
2: yeah i don't know that's (laughs) yeah what what has been your experience with work Uh, have you had a similar experience where you know header and footer are classic quote unquote in the middle. But yeah, how have you been building with block editor?
1: So I have been messing around a lot with full site editing on like my personal blog. I feel like I feel like blogs can do full site editing. I think that's kind of, I think that's ready enough if you just, you want to mess around with it. And it's a good place to kind of like try things out, experiment with it, see all of that stuff. I think you mentioned, um, you know, using blocks for maybe the footer, maybe some of those other components, which, you know, there was that phase where they turned the widgets screen into like a Gutenberg screen. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it was all of your wid- all of your sidebars trying to load at once. And it was, you know, it was a, a, little, a little rough. And, yeah. you know, what's coming out with 6.1, that like kind of template part stuff, yep. I think is, it's like, I see that light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. Um, so now what I've been doing is thinking really heavily about Understrap and the stuff that we've done, and you you don't want to throw away everything because it's really it's really hard to train people a completely new process. That's already hard and takes a lot of time. So I'm thinking of all the developers that work under me where you know, we have to train everybody a new process. Then the second part is like, what is that new process? Because apart from like your theme scaffold, which I've been like furiously digging into the last few days <laughs> and some other. Pieces out there, no one's like solved it. No one, you know, there's no Genesis or (laughs) understrap Mm -hmm. or whatever out there right now. So we don't even know what the best practices are. And then the third part is like, even if we had the best practices, is Gutenberg even ready? So like, is it, can I, do I even want to rely on it? So like, with all those open questions, we're going like very slow. So this, Mm. I'm, my next site build is the first one where I'm going to try to break out of just the landing page being in Gutenberg. So like, like right now, like you said, header and footer, I'm seeing that still in PHP, um, landing pages in the block editor, but then, you know, what about archive pages? What about, like you said, you know, you had the example of, I think it was like testimonials or something, something Mm -hmm. where all I want to do is just store a bunch of data in a custom post type. And I want to design it on the front end. And I don't, Want to design it in the block editor because I might want to change it across a hundred different entities of a single post, all of those pieces. It's like I think you're like starting to see okay i I think I could maybe do that with this. I think I can maybe do that with that, but it's like we're still not really sure. So my current plan is how can i how can I test out all of those decisions every single one and which make that decision this you do in p h p this you do in the block editor and then how do you bring that to a team that like needs to collaborate and needs to take over a site from somebody else and doesn't want to spend an hour trying to figure out which part they wrote in a block editor which part they wrote in code so my experience is that i have yet to do like a full what i would call even a hybrid site cuz i'm trying to figure out where those lines are you know yeah
0: yeah for sure and and, and you're the like the steward of of this this scaffolding, right? This understrap um, scaffolding. So, and and by the way, that's got like what, like three thousand stars on on GitHub. And I, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I don't know how much that is relative to some of the biggest projects. But like, you know, our scaffolding. Uh, now <laughs> nobody's looking at it right it's but it just happens to be open source just but it's mostly Corey just and us I using hacking it, right? at it uh-huh. every month <laughs> <laughs> sure. so yeah what is what is it like you know um maintaining a, a relatively popular project you got lots of lots of itch- issues lots of pull requests um but you also have to kind of to a degree maintain some kind of status quo and not right not like completely yeah. upturn how it works yeah.
1: yeah and so that was another acquisition because the original developer sold Understrap to this sort of unnamed middle person who owned it for a few years and basically never merged a single pull request for like three years. So, and then they were selling it. And so we were so invested in it. And one of our developers who uh, passed away since then, but he was really was like, we got to buy it and bring it back and like, you know, get it all. Good And and so we did, and we did things like make sure it works with the block editor, make sure it works with all these things. But at the time we did that, theme.json was still full Mm -hmm. site editing only. So you couldn't even use it. So what we've kind of learned with it now is you keep, as it keeps changing, we're trying to find ways to take this understrap. And number one, there's a lot of websites out there that are running it as a parent theme and mm. it needs to not really change too much. Right, yeah. We can't like break its ability to be a good parent theme. But at the end of the day, like WordPress like has decided that they're going to be a UI framework. <laughs> like they've they won't I don't know if they're saying it but like they are saying like we're writing the HTML and the CSS sure. a little more aggressively yeah. now.
2: We're cre- we're creating the design tokens. I hope you're exactly. okay with that. Yeah.
1: Yeah which isn't even bad, but it just no. is a thing where you go, well, then what's the point of bootstrap,
2: <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's a complete right. paradigm shift for sure. It's like, you know, every developer got to choose their own adventure in the past, you know, create your own, use bootstrap, uh, uh, you know, tailwind, whatever you wanted, you know, I, we usually just hand-rolled our own. And now all of a sudden we're kind of beholden to a lot of decisions that were made without our knowledge. And it's, and
0: it's, it, I'll say it's not just the, the code either that that we're beholden to our entire design process has changed because of the influence of gutenberg as well and we've put a lot more limitations on the designers freedom to design unique sites based on what's simpler or easier to do with with the gutenberg editor so that's there's a data point for you i guess
2: (laughs) yeah i mean just kind of going back to how full site editing works and actually even going to one step before when gutenberg first came out and you know wordpress five it felt very much like medium so if you want to design a medium like looking website awesome cool you had this really cool tool but if you didn't want your website to look like medium you're kind of out of luck all of a sudden like you know if, if your website wasn't centered and like had this very like, oh, you have images that break out of the container and medium, full width, etc. Yeah, you know, you were kind of like, you know, shit out of luck to be honest. Like uh and then as it's evolved, like, you know, I uh, you know, I've built a handful of full site editing themes for my personal sites and I have one in the directory currently. You know, I I went the very traditional route uh and we do this for our clients also of trying to you know, open up Figma, make my design, try to go to code, read the documentation and i had to give up at a certain point and kind of be like what does the full site editor want me to build because it definitely doesn't want me to build what i designed which you know i've been designing websites for 15 years and all of a sudden i had to go like oh i can't let my menu look like that because the markup of the menu block doesn't want me to do that like it just you know there is no way to overwrite this um so then like when I kind of relinquished to the, the, the full site editor, I was like able to kind of finally build something, but it was a huge compromise. Um, we're, in, at the agency level, been trying to bridge that gap. And while I don't think I would ever want to go back to the old ways of doing, you know, we always, I always make used to make the joke, if you used ACF long enough, you've accidentally made a page builder. Um, it, you, a, bad a, ba- a bad page builder. Yeah. Uh, you know, we now more or less, especially with, um, you know, block uh the block api 2.0 that that's now like kind of rolled into acf you know we are able to kind of emulate that older experience in a much more um bucket way. way yeah much more elegant way to our clients so mm-hmm. man i'm just now you got me thinking about the pre- theme.json days and like the sites i made before that and it's just kind of like scary to think about what maybe those sites like look like i don't i haven't even at <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean
0: you, you you make you you know you made a good point about the the parent theme you know mm-hmm. uh, idea and i don't know like what what would happen to those sites if you added sure. theme mm-hmm. Dot JSON to Understrap, and suddenly yeah. that updated.
2: Like you, you briefly mentioned our you know f- framework, and we call it a scaffolding because it is a scaffolding. It's something we start from every site. We don't encourage it to be used as a you know. I used right. to do child themes. Yeah. You know, I I had generic framework was a framework I built for a different agency, and you know you'd build child themes for it, and that's how you know how you built things fast. Um, we built a scaffolding, but it was a long conversation between you know uh, the developers talking about. Oh, man, but how do you update things in the past? And we kind of had to like relinquish some of that, you know, while we can update some of the build tools like Gulp, WP is a separate NPM package, stuff like that. Um, so we've been able to at least keep the build process a little bit, um, you know, separated from everything. Uh, we kind of had to give up this idea that you could just in place upgrade your older framework or scaffolding because it just not the way it works and like the the technology just is moving way too fast to be able to really accommodate that um and it kind of always has but um it, it, it the block editor makes you feel as if you're supposed to be building themes that are like these drop in place replacement themes like you know you're supposed to be able to turn off 2022 and turn on 2023 and everything magically gets back to where it's supposed to go. Um, But, you know, when you're building bespoke themes, it just really doesn't work that way. You know, how, I don't know about you, I'd actually, this is a great question maybe. Um, How often do you start with a client site and you're actually starting with their code base and then building on top of it versus booting up a new fresh WordPress install and porting their content over to the system that you built for them?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Cause I understand the idea of like switching your theme on your WordPress site, but like we would never tell a client, we're going to build this so that you can change the theme one day,
2: right? I could never imagine that conversation. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like that, the assumption is like, we built the theme to be specific to this moment, which is part of the problem with understrap is that it has traditionally been a parent theme. And like, it's, I think a template, like you're describing makes a lot more sense. I have this mental, like understrap 2.0 kind of idea of doing something that's a complete, like break from the current paradigm so that it is something like theme JSON based and it's very much a template, not a, not a parent theme, child theme relationship. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. when we've like inherited, well, we've inherited sites recently that were built in the early Gutenberg days by like an agency who, you know, did a lot of custom blocks and things like that. And the two kind of main issues with that is like, number one, when they, when you go to make a simple change, like none of the build scripts work and you know, you got to figure sure, out what sure. version of node were they on and you know, you go <laughs> do that whole dance and like the oh, build yeah. scripts all fail. So there's that part of it. And then, you know, I think a lot of early sites that were built in Gutenberg, the backend really doesn't look like the front end at all. You know, there's mm-hmm. it's still a lot of disparity there. So I think I, I feel like almost like we're that, we're in that place where like, I'm kind of glad we waited and let like, braver people like you try these things and start finding (laughs) the best practices it was yeah scary (laughs) Scary and so (laughs) that's how i feel but as far as like taking i mean when we take a site we generally don't take their site and just change it if we're going to write a new theme we kind of just start from scratch and there's such now it's so easy to take something that was built some one way and just mass import it or you know find ways to map fields and stuff like that but but i do think you know, what's going to happen when you're looking at a at a, a full-on block or hybrid site? You know, could you theoretically do an entire redesign without ever changing the site now? Or would it be even harder now that all the design and the content are just mingled together?
2: Really? You know, even just how WordPress worked in the past versus now, like, you know... When you deactivate a theme and activate another theme, um, you know, you lose your menus, You lose, especially if they're named differently and, you know, men, uh, widget areas and things like that. Just too much is too much chaos is happening for it to know how to map those things correctly. Um, now, with full site editing, for sure. Yeah. But I do. You know, we've talked about it every now and then about, you know, even our personal site and our our personal sites. Blackbird site. When is it? Our when is full site editing ready for an, a client? And the answer is just it just isn't yet. And I don't know when that will be. And I don't see that roadmap. Now, do I think you could theoretically build a full site editing site that can you know turn on, turn off? Yes, I, I I've seen, it. I've done it with my own personal sites. But um, those are very limited sites. Those are you know brochure websites. It's a blog. It's five pages and about me. It's you know it, it's it's not it doesn't have relationships between content or anything insane it's you know it's using wordpress for what wordpress it does out of the box mm-hmm, um
0: that's yeah, i mean right that's our that is that is our job right there is to do things that wordpress doesn't do
2: yeah yeah and, that's and, why you hire us
0: Yeah, yeah and and when we do those things it's it's just it's wordpress is not going to know how to handle that when switching themes or whatever like when you when you create acf you know custom fields right like yes technically those meta values are still there and in some respects you could still even if you removed acf like have that i mean does anybody even remember the old you know custom field meta box <laughs> where you could just like <laughs> oh pick yeah. any uh-huh. like yeah, oh my gosh. Like
2: it had that weird little dropdown or yeah. was, or did you get to type in what the underscore meta key was and then the value yeah. and yeah. Like, okay. How would you even use that? But I remember but, those tutorials when you're like, Oh, how to make a custom field on a WordPress we are, page. We are,
0: we are redesigning a site right now for, for a client who has a site that uses those. <laughs> so <laughs> it still exists out there in the wild, but, um, but anyways, like, you know, the theme has to know how to present those, those values that's just that's it right and and nothing you do outside of the the standard posts and pages and taxonomies wordpress isn't going to be able to like show them Like so that's the job of the theme right that's what we do so
2: yeah and you know and on our side of things we're often creating either you know Corey a lot more so than me creating custom blocks um you know native i Kind of stick to the ACF blocks realm because I just really love my PHP. Um, so
0: I I, I I will say that that even I'm sorry Ryan if you're listening <laughs> to this one, even after having a conversation with Ryan uh, Welsher about you know native block development stuff and and I and I did I did a lot more native block development stuff you know a little while ago, but I'm I'm getting back into the ACF block stuff, especially after ACF. 6.0. Yeah, 6.0 with
2: the API 2.0 came out. Yeah. Yes.
0: So I had, I, well, I had built into our scaffolding, uh, into the theme scaffolding, by the way, um, uh, just a, a workflow for creating custom blocks, custom native Gutenberg blocks. And I'm glad that I did it that way because now that ACF is compatible with that system, hmm. it just works. We haven't updated the scaffolding yet to to have like the ACF blocks. And like one of the next things we want to do is have, um, you know, kind of coming off of that conversation with Ryan, one of the, one of the next things we want to do is have, you know, block, individual block scaffolding. So you can just like create an ACF block or create a native block or create a dynamic native block Mm -hmm. or whatever. Right. Um, right now you just have to copy and paste a folder, but whatever. But yeah i, I I'm, I'm glad i did the experimentation and i'm glad that i figured out how to do that stuff um, but acf blocks are still faster and um easier to use for us and and the way that we develop these custom sites so i when when i was you know putting this scaffolding together i was referencing 10 ups scaffolding there's there their scaffolding and all that sort of stuff is also open source. I encourage everybody to go check it out. They, they always seem to be on the leading edge mm-hmm. of this sort of stuff, right? And one of the things that I noticed that they were doing when dealing with blocks is all of their blocks are dynamic blocks, which means that they have a PHP template that it's rendering, and they're mm-hmm. still doing it that way. If you have a lifetime license for advanced custom fields like we do, um it's basically the same thing. You just get additional functionality that lets you not bother with having to write the JavaScript side of the block in the editor. So you have your templates that render you, you know, insert your fields and away you go. <laughs> right. Um, and, and I can't, and we can't like let go of that like ease of use because
2: yeah, and it's, it's essentially free for us. Right. This might be a segue into something we wrote we talked about a little bit when we are talking about what might be on this podcast, but you know, I'm still reaching for a lot of the PHP tools that I need when building a theme. You know, I, I use WP query every single site. I need to do some kind of crazy query and um, that, you know, go goes and gets me these posts with this meta sort it this way by date and then sort it again. Like do like, you know, on this theater <laughs> mm-hmm. site, I had to do that. Go get me all the show times, group them by film, sort them by day of the week, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That would have been impossible with core blocks. Um, And I know when we were talking via email, you mentioned you were trying to do full-site editing for Master p and maybe using a little bit of the core blocks for your homepage. Can maybe tell us a little bit about your experience with shifting Master p over to full-site editing or the block Yeah, editor? I think it's
1: that same thing where you first about ACF blocks i generally like the idea that all of my html and php that i write sits in the theme so i think i like that too about you know using acf blocks like i hand this over to developer they want to know where do i change some code it's all php it's all there it's all template parts like it, that piece of it just makes so much like cognitive sense but the minute you want to do something like fancy using a custom query I, you know wordpress used to be like like super extensible like i could look at anything on the screen and i knew i could spit out a code you know right under the title field on the back end or i could add to the admin bar i could do all these things that's like the the power of wordpress is that it's super extensible um there was like somebody did an article recently where he was like just trying to add a custom icon to the icon block and he did like this <laughs> whole you know yeah I
2: just had that same experience, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's like the journey you take to find it. And so like, you know, I think we're we're kind of waiting for that stuff. So we tried to make the front end of Master VP, and it used to be more like you had a main column down the center of like the post one, two, three, right? Then on the right hand, maybe post four, five, six. And then on the left, you had posts, you know, eight through 10 and they all kind of get smaller and smaller. But then when you go to like a mobile screen, they're all in one row and they're all the same size, it all... Everything flex boxes in the right order and stuff like that. So it was something like that. But like, you just can't do. That. I mean, it's just physically impossible. Unless,
0: <laughs> do I want
1: to get? Well, I like
0: to. I like to say that like anything is possible, but like,
2: what's what's actually <laughs> practical? Here yeah. What is? Yeah. yeah. We looked at your. We've seen your homepage, and I remember when I saw your comment on that. I'm like, yeah, this would be a nightmare to try to get to work correctly. And for and
0: for what like for what real like goal yeah sure, right like that's the part that that's the practicality part that comes in like you can spend all this time building out your homepage with the full site editor to to do that and to have to write a whole bunch of really crazy css to make what you just described happen or you could just have full control over the template
1: right and it, it's your site so, right. Like, yeah, like, I don't, why do I, I don't need to edit it versus a landing page where, you know, it is nice knowing your client can just like switch the image in the paragraph and and mm-hmm. add a button if there wasn't a button before. Like those times it makes sense. And then there's times where you go like, yeah, I could have done this in PHP and and moved on. Yeah.
0: yeah. One of, one of the, one of the more precarious parts for, for me when I'm developing a client site that you know, I have to balance because I want to use this editor as much as possible. I do like it. I think we all like it. We talk about this all the time, how we actually (laughs) like it. We swear. Um, If you push, if you push it too far, if you try to get too cute with it, it's so much easier for the client to accidentally screw up their site. Sure. And that's, this is kind of you know this is kind of true for any page builder experience right but like again clients aren't necessarily coming to us to build them a site with the page builder that then they they have to they're not looking for that so yeah so that's yeah so when you have control of the template and you can just say output a b and c in this order uh, do it this way like if the client needs it updated eventually then yeah they have to come back to you And and i and i love you know, not that I hate money, but, <laughs> but I but I love, you know, developing systems for clients where they can
2: edit as much as possible without breaking. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think even like I still, you know, the block editor has definitely gotten better, but I still think there's a lot of things and I, I can't remember if it was one of... Somebody on this panel's tweets, maybe, but it's just like, uh, you know, the 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 width of the content inside oh, of yeah. it, and you know, I, I I'm often like handing off my work to a client, and it's like, oh, you made a paragraph tag, and you want it to be extra wide, or you want it to be wide instead of whatever. Well, guess what? That block just doesn't have a, a that control on it so you have to put down a group and then you have to drag and drop the you know paragraph in it and then you have to they have to know all this stuff the amount of things i have to group for no reason other than it like it needs a div around it more or less which they don't have the concept of what a div is per se and like trying to explain that to a client who is in the past worked in google docs and you know the the classic editor and has just copied and pasted things and just kind of went onto the page the way they thought it would. And then they're like, oh, why doesn't this line up with the title? And it's like, all right, well, you're going to have to go grab a group. It, it just, it, it's not very intuitive all the time. And it's hard to train somebody on these types of things. And I'm <laughs> having a very difficult time, especially this past week, because I've been doing a lot of training, kind of explaining that to a client. It's like, oh, well, that, I, that image needs to be in a group before you can align it because X, Y, Z and yeah.
1: When we, we never used Elementor or we never used page builders. That was like kind of one of the things was a selling point. We don't use a page builder. We, we write the code because, you know, you know what it is with page builders. It's, it's fast and it's easy, but then you have performance issues and you have uh, accessibility issues and then you can't do anything because it's not your code. So you have no control. So we would never use that. And, you know, one of the big complaints was like you put in a heading tag in Gutenberg and it's just a heading tag, but you put in a heading tag in Elementor and it has like a div for a container and a div for this and a div for the setting, you know, and you have it's divs all the way down. But now I was looking through, it's like you start seeing with the full site editing or like any Gutenberg theme, you start going like, well, now I do have to group this and then I do have to flex this and I do. And you're like, i really am kind of starting to bring back a lot of these divs. I'll say, I I appreciate that they are, I feel like they're really trying to make a page builder that is better. Like I, I feel like you sure. can tell that they're mm-hmm. really trying to make something that spits out very clean code. I think the style yeah. engine has a lot of potential. I think the idea that, you know, making a contact form would use the same blocks as the rest of your page. And all of that gets this really clean CSS. And I'm not loading style sheets from ninja forms that have their own grid on top of my grid. You know, I, I see that potential, but, uh, there's still a lot of, and I think like maybe you said, maybe it's just, you know, the idea, like we get a design from a designer and and, and we, our clients are typically designers, so we don't really have as much control over the design. So a lot of the designs you get are like, well, I'm going to need. 50 extra divs to get this. Yeah.
2: That's, yep.
1: that's just the way it's going to be.
2: Yeah. You yeah. will often, you know, make a block, uh, a button that needs a little icon inside of it or something like that. And all of a sudden, you're kind of SOL when using the default uh, block because you just don't get those options. And if you try to hijack like a pseudo element, the, the back end yells at you, like, Hey, exactly. we're using that yeah. pseudo element for something else. Don't mm-hmm. you? Why? How dare you? How dare you use the after element on <laughs> yeah. a, on a <laughs> button? That, oh, that is God, ours.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. Man. Added- and, and also using just
2: that pseudo element, man. talking about like block editors i think something that happens on twitter at least to me every now and then is like you know you'll you'll say something critical of the editor and somebody else chimes in and uh, i think the worst thing that happens to me is at least is when you're in the comments and then some page builder advocate pops in and is like yeah and that's why we should be using elementor <laughs> and i'm like like no not you you need to get out of here you need to like leave this like i wasn't talking to you like <laughs> Like, like, I'm sorry that you thought I was on your side. I'm not. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah, I, the answer wasn't more page builders. That's not no, it. that was not what we were saying. And, you know, let's
0: let's be you know honest here. Like, embracing Gutenberg has been embracing bits and pieces of of page builder, even though it's core page builder, it, it it's page builder. But yeah, but I, I completely agree with you, Brian, about about like the 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 way that they're handling the actual markup i you know it's great there's lots it of things is. i can complain about but sure like when you put when you put out that heading tag and it's just a heading tag like i love it yep. <laughs> it's, yeah it's exactly what i want but you know um i i think one of the conclusions that i've come to just in general whether we're talking about a page builder like elementor or, or the full site editor is that like websites built with with those are for the person Building them, and not necessarily great for an agency to build and hand off. And and I've and I felt this way for a long time before we were even talking about Gutenberg, just for page builders in general. That like it just that's generally not. I I feel very strongly. I feel that that's generally not what the client is is looking for. Um, but sometimes, you know, needs must budgets are low, whatever, like, sure, make it happen like that. It, it, I'm not going to say we don't make uh, Elementor sites because, you know, we do as an agency um, for for those kind of things, but not not the primary kind of output of our agency, not the stuff that we put in our portfolio.
2: You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so <laughs> what I guess we're is we don't somebody here does, but some we do. Well, right, right, right. So, yeah, yeah. So yeah.
0: we're we're here because we
2: yeah, we, we, we know code. WordPress.
0: Yeah. So that's what we do is we write code.
1: And I, I used, we've done like, sometimes we'll do Squarespace, you know, for that client, they don't have a budget and you Mm kind of just tell them like, it's going to look like what it looks like and and we'll get close and it'll, it's, you know, it's, it's what they need at that time and.
2: Yeah, that's such an interesting conversation also, just like you get what you get because just like I think the full site editors changed that conversation also with how you design. And um, you know, Matt Moldwig had a tweet a while back or had some comments about, you know, the length of time of something on dot org was taking to build. And then they kind of detailed their process and it was, you know, a very traditional process. You know, design it in Figma, get buy-in, change some things. Make it in code, header and footer or classic. You know, PHP in the middle a uh, block editor. And he was like, "Why is this taking so long?" And it kind of like prompted, like, "Is there an evolution of design? Do you start designing in Gutenberg?" And um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that. Yeah, but that, But
0: but 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 if we go that route, that just means that one person's going to build the site. Sure.
2: And, no, and it's so not, much harder. Correct. Yeah.
0: yeah. Right. Like like it's so much harder to have different people specialized in in different things building something together when a page builder is involved in in my opinion again like and and i'm not saying that i don't enjoy like i have we all have apparently built full site editing sites for ourselves um i built i rebuilt my wife's website it hasn't launched yet but i rebuilt her website as a full site editing theme in a weekend which is very unusual for me, even with relatively simple sites, because I like to I like to do things in a certain way and I like to do them, you know, very clean, whatever. But the point is like, what was the point? Where was I getting to? <laughs> oh, right. Um, Having, you know, having a designer who, yes, you know, will collaborate with the developer on what's possible and feasible and all that sort of stuff. But still having that outside perspective, somebody who can make something interest that just on the face of it looks interesting and appealing is not always something that's gonna happen if you're just gonna one person building the whole thing with a page builder like yes i'm sure that also that a designer could make something appealing if they just did it directly in something like elementor right because we do that right we have essentially a designer who is making stuff in elementor but the you know where it starts to break down a little bit is is the finer details. Um, like you talked about performance, like um, accessibility, like just mobile responsiveness, and, and and all those other things that come with what we specialize in. <laughs> so that's the trade-off right there. And I don't really want to see a future where all websites are just made by one person again, because that's like that's like going back to the beginning Right. Like, that's where we started. Mm-hmm. Like, there was just this one guy that sat in the basement of the office who was the webmaster. I am the webmaster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I don't mind being called a webmaster. I like it. But it's a like, classic term. Yeah, very much so. But we've moved away from that as an as an industry because the web is so much more complicated and yeah. and it's important to get all those other things
2: right. So, yeah. I mean that that person in the basement building their the the company's website definitely missed the mark, probably in accessibility and responsiveness and a million other. Because yeah, they they had to do everything, and you know we we wouldn't want to go back there. I wouldn't.
0: And, and and the and the other point I'd like to make just uh, briefly because I've been talking a lot about the this idea of making a full site editing theme for a client is that there's been a lot of conversation um, from the the folks who are defending the honor of, of Gutenberg and the full site editor, editor. And, and I don't blame them for doing that, right? But, um, it, and I think most of the pushback is coming from agencies and freelancers and not necessarily people using the tools, right? Uh, is that like, there's this idea that like, and 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 lots of uh, features now for locking things down, mm-hmm. right? Uh, well, all you have to do is lock down this or that or the other thing. So you could still build a full set editing theme. And just lock all the themes and or lock all the templates and yada yada yada. I just I just wonder if, if you're going to go through all that effort, why not just build a hybrid theme? Why 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 not just do it in code that's version controlled and all that sort of stuff and and allow the content to be the freeform, you know, aspect that I, that's where I'm at right now.
1: Yeah, the I think the the part of that that gets is I I think still has to get figured out is when you do it all in the theme, or when you do it all in the editor, it sits in the database, right? So yeah. so it's yeah. all there. It would be great to have that be some sort of flat file structure. And I think those new template parts, uh, you know, kind of take us there. And I think, yep. you know, we're starting to see block patterns and things like that. But like, I don't know of anybody, maybe it's people are doing it, but I don't think anybody's opening their code editor and saying, all right, let me write my next Gutenberg page you know, like in the code
2: editor. It's funny that you said, I tried that my first time making one. This was like <laughs> right when full site editing came out and I was like, I'm so excited. I'm going to try this new thing. And I opened it up. I was reading the documentation. I created a, even like the tutorials back then were telling you to open up your code editor. And uh-huh. I'm like, I am not typing uh this crazy commenting script. Of, comments, yeah. yeah, this HTML comments to like, and if you mistype one thing, the whole thing just, Hoops, yeah. the bed and it's just like it's terrible <laughs> it's like it's like oh my lord like this is like so difficult to use and then yeah like eventually over time and now like you know you go into you, you install wordpress you start dragging drop things in the full set editor and you just hit the export button which has gotten way better over the months uh, this year and um and then you can pull those into your files and you know make adjustments here or there, not really to the template files maybe the organization of them or naming or something like that but yeah like yeah, nobody is making a full-site editing theme by hand or artisanal HTML comments. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that experience of like, I'm looking at my site and I'm editing it, I'm editing what I'm looking at. Like, I get that that's like a good goal. Like, I get that, yeah. you know, yeah. we have had a couple of sites recently where we're using like ACF, like flexible content rows or something. Mm-hmm. And familiar. we we've even, you know... Developers just kind of hit that point where you're just looking at it and you're going, I don't know. Like, what year is this? Like, it's, you know, yeah, yeah, our, no. our standards <laughs> of technology have hit that point where it's, it feels, you know, like you're looking at MySpace or something.
2: And oh, sure. You, you know, everybody else is on we- TikTok.
1: we would look at some
2: of our old websites that used it more or less as a page builder and we're like oh my gosh how did we ever navigate this how did our clients ever navigate this like they just had to know that like the name of this thing without visually Mm -hmm. having like any feedback um yeah my gosh Um,
0: i i talked about this like probably last year on one of those like gutenberg segments but on on one of these interim sites where i was trying to incorporate gutenberg but also still you know we were still doing things in that in that way right with with advanced custom fields flexible content fields i actually had a system where the gutenberg editor was enabled and the <laughs> acf uh you know flexible content fields were there too and i had mm-hmm. a flexible content you know section that would output the content so that oh, you yeah, could yeah. use the content editor and then put it in between other things, between
2: other I, sections, yeah. I don't oh, yeah. know
0: if I like handled, like if you, if you use that twice or like, it, I know you <laughs> handled, if you didn't use it at all, it would just show up, but yeah, that, that was,
1: uh, but, but that is my dream is I want, I want to look at the Gutenberg editor and I want to be able to turn off the editing and I want my meta boxes to just like come up higher in the screen because there are certain custom post types where you, you don't want an editor you don't need the editor yep. you actually yeah, just want yeah. all those meta fields but then you got to flip that switch that says like load a wordpress you know page from 2005 or whatever and it looks <laughs> nothing like the other pages and it's yep. the old design that's i've it's like my plug-in dream is to just find a way to like give me give me gutenberg but let me just have my acf fields only just for those repeatable content types you know right right
2: yeah uh, it- if you're creating a custom post type and you like don't specify that you want the editor, it gives you that old school and the nostalgia that hits me every time I see one of those pages, (laughs) because it's technically still like in the API, like the header it just doesn't show the editor, but they, you know, they default to that old school like title and and I'm like, Oh my gosh, like what, what year is it? It's like, yeah, Robin Williams meme, just like, like what is (laughs) going on here? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I I don't see a way to do it that way without just being, all in on the javascript aspect of like i don't Mm. i don't know if it's necessarily possible to like turn off the actual block like editing area but still have the sidebars and all that but if it if it is possible it's only possible
1: in javascript (laughs) and i know we didn't get into that but that sense of starting I think you. I just, I think your original podcast was about like all the decisions you have to make, and you're constantly making these decisions, and that's like the overhead. And yep. now I think we're starting to learn. I'm starting to get a better sense of okay, this is a JavaScript decision, or this is a PHP decision. Like, and you kind mm-hmm. of have to start there. And I'm hopeful that the JavaScript documentation for WordPress will one day come as good as to the PHP. The- yeah, because yeah. the PHP yeah. documentation is even now this in the last like two months, they added a bunch of new features. It's just so mm-hmm. good. Some yeah. of the best documentation yeah. and that JavaScript documentation. <laughs> oh, it's hard. It's rough. It's different. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. And
0: it, I, it's, the, the, the funny thing about that is that, you know, these days, more often than not, I'm trawling through the Gutenberg repository on GitHub yep. to find my answers instead mm-hmm. of. Looking at the documentation. Yeah, I, am, I, I never really did it that way when I was just yeah. doing
2: PHP stuff. I am way more often just trying to find an example of how core did it and then replicating mm. it than I am looking through the documentation because just honestly, it's usually just not there. I just can't find it anywhere, <laughs> <laughs> or I find a tutorial mm. from like a few years ago when they were doing it a completely different way, and it's just like well, now kind of a broken way of doing it.
1: Yeah, sure. that's, that's why I'm like hopeful that this, this, this adjustment period will result in the next wave of you know useful things useful documentation useful scaffolds useful everything
2: yeah yeah i mean we were talking with ryan and he was talking about some of the scaffolds that he wants to you know uh you know wp create uh example block yeah yeah yeah, Mm -hmm. using the command line to like yep yeah exactly And, and it gets you like halfway there to something you know like do you want to make a a list that? you know those things don't exist quite yet but you know the ideas are starting to percolate and
0: um and get better i got to give ryan one more shout out because he's been since since that episode where we had him (laughs) on uh, almost all of his um live streams on twitch uh which are usually every thursday i think he's taking a short hiatus at the moment but almost all of them have been about like how to do acf style
1: stuff uh, in in native Gutenberg blocks. We so. may have Kudos to you, a little Ryan.
2: bit.
0: So,
1: yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I've, the other one I've looked at, people should definitely check out, is the 10up, the Gutenberg.10up.com. Because um, they have some pretty, they had like a component, basically adding custom fields using, you know, the kind of React components to like native yep. blocks and things. And so I think there's like this place where adding custom fields to native blocks to let you like control the styles more than like the kind of not very good block styles system. I think there's like, there's a room there. And I'm that that's maybe like the next place to look. I'm sad to say this, but it looks like we do have to wrap up. Don't we?
2: (laughs) We're (laughs) about there. We're about there by time.
0: (laughs) Oh, there's so much more we could talk about, but (laughs) it's um, true. I think, um, unless, uh, before I get into like the, the last bits, is, is there anything else you'd like to, uh, to to talk about for
1: the for this no i there, it's like no i think that's kind of everything i sure mean is. it's a lot <laughs> I, it's like i want to come to a conclusion and and somebody just go here's how to do it sure we've been trying to come to that conclusion <laughs> I th- for i two think years. that
2: was the point of the podcast <laughs> is we we're hoping that like our savior would hop on and be like hey y'all just need to like click this box in the back of WordPress and <laughs> yeah. it all works and like but maybe in a year from now we'll have you back on and like some of those decisions that we've been making you'll have to have made a few more of them too and we'll both kind of meet somewhere in the middle and we'll be like hey how are things going and yeah, yeah maybe we'll have yeah. some resolution then
0: I I have I I have a couple of conclusions I think maybe that might help a little bit um again i mentioned 10-ups scaffolding before and how they're using all dynamic blocks Um, they're doing that for a reason and the same reason that we're doing advanced custom field blocks is because not only is it php of course right and you can utilize your template part system that you're probably already utilizing in a custom theme but the the block content is not in the actual content of the post Um, and that's one of the like one of the things that's stopping me from using it like as fully as possible because we can't do, we can't update things across the site Mm -hmm. when you have the actual markup in, you know, in the database like that. So, you know, wherever you can do those custom blocks if you need to do something that might be updated in the future. I know that's like, (laughs) how are you going to know that up front? But, um, you know, stuff like that, uh, I think helps straddle the line between us, us quote-unquote classic theme developers and like and you, you can do that with full-site editing too by the way you can have php stuff in full-site editing theme as well so maybe maybe that's the next step i don't know again i just don't i'm i just i'm still not seeing the light about like a super lockdown full-site editing theme i just i'm not i'm not no, sure what the point it's not there yet yeah doing all that work is for so
1: yeah. I, I don't, I don't know that there's a use case for it for like this agency thing, but I do think, I think getting from the front end of your site to editing something in Gutenberg, like that's the step that needs to be perfect, I think. And, a, has, and has,
0: has anyone tried the, like the, the block, the block template, uh, what are they calling it? Um, in the theme instead of a widget area. Yep. Uh,
2: I haven't tried I'm it not, yet. It's, it's on my list of, uh, my short list of things I'd like to try. What I want it, yeah. to know is
0: if I can have, am I saying, is, is it called a block area? Block,
2: block template parts.
0: I think Block template part. Thank you. Yes. It is. Is there a way to have a block template part that's locked down to a single block that they're allowed to edit? Mm. Mm. Because I have this use case where pretty much every site I want to sure. have social media icons And I need to use them in several places in a, in a a menu, in the footer, in the mobile menu, you know, but I just need them to be able to edit it in one place. And you cannot do that as I've found
1: with like the widget area blocks. I can't lock that down to just one block. Hmm. I've played with it and it's very nice. It's just, I think you can lock blocks. I think you, you define the template parts in your theme so they don't, they can't make new ones or anything. Okay, you okay. Get, it's it's oh, almost okay. like a little custom post type of Gutenbergs that you can, you know, and then you just say in your theme where it's going to spit out in your PHP, just like a normal like get template part type of function. And so I think all of that's there. I just think the UI of like, it's just, it used to be appearance menus, appearance mm-hmm. widgets, now it's appearance mm-hmm. template parts. That's still right. not the most discoverable. Like it's got to be, something a little better to get to it. But yeah, I think you can do what you're describing. And so Mm. I could imagine (laughs) shipping your theme with like 10 nice little template parts, you know, Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, a sidebar one, a footer one, a a hero, homepage hero or whatever, you know. I'm
0: definitely looking forward to playing with that on the next project for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, we should definitely uh, end end this. Before we do, uh, normally we've been asking our guests about what they do outside of uh, WordPress things. So should probably ask that but i'm also curious um where are you going after twitter <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's the perfect uh timestamp you know i only joined twitter like a few months ago so oh wow oh, no I, i'd never uh i've i'm only seeing like this uh it <laughs> yeah, it the... really feels like you're watching something crumbling before sure? you oh, yeah. it's a, it's a very interesting and uh i am i'm yeah i
2: does anyone know where they're gonna go? That's a good question. Well, I, yeah, I, <laughs> I should I ask just...
0: where where are you so that we <laughs> yeah. can tell people where to follow you?
1: Where
2: can we find you when the when the empire crumbles?
1: <laughs> so yeah, you can I have a website, just BrianCords.com. I'm trying to use that more for these sorts of fun future WordPress things. Um and then I'm also on Twitter at BrianCords, and then um I also do most of my writing on Master WP which everyone should subscribe to and um i I have one exciting thing that I can't release yet but uh when that comes out it'll be on those places so i I want people to uh follow me to see this thing that I'm excited about um and outside of work uh I have five kids, so most of my time is just that that's like the <laughs> that's the draining yeah. uh, you know time you know of uh of that so it's mostly just like dad stuff around the house that's not a, that's about it fair enough fair enough yeah I, I
0: i will not press you to have other hobbies outside of five kids jesus <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> all right folks well uh we'll see you next time and thank you very much brian for being on the show and uh look forward to your
1: write-up yeah, thank you <laughs> Thanks for having me.
0: That's all for this episode, but wait, there's more. Brian has written a companion article that you can find right now on MasterWP.com. Link is in the description, so please check it out. Follow Brian on Twitter at BrianCords, at his website, BrianCords.com, and of course, he writes for MasterWP. Check the episode description for links to things we mentioned in the show and join us next time for our last episode of 2022, where we'll be reflecting back on all of the conversations that we've had this year. As always, don't forget to send your questions, thoughts, and fan mail to podcast at blackbird.digital. You can also find us on Twitter as intheloop underscore WP. If you're interested in having a WordPress website custom built or you want to join a team that does that, head over to our site at blackbird.digital and drop us a line. Thanks for listening to In The Loop. See you next time.